My sister, Lori Vallow, murdered her children, Tylee and JJ, and buried them in a pet cemetery. And we're all trying to make sense of it. So let's talk about it. And welcome to this version of our podcast. Adam and I have really been looking forward to this one. This is where we feel we can really bring out our purpose for doing these podcasts and really talk about silver linings that hopefully will help you. This is all helping us. Your comments, your questions, we benefit from all of that, all of the comments. I'd, and I've said before, we recognize that they aren't all friendly comments. Um, we're okay with that because you are providing energy to finding justice for the victims of this horrific, horrific case. And so the fact that you don't agree with us, don't want to listen to us, of course, those people probably aren't listening to us right now, but that fact doesn't turn us off to the idea that we all want justice for these people. So thank you for the questions. We've been trying to answer as many as we can just online. We now have our responses that are posted, and we continue to uh, intend to continue that. But this podcast today, we're talking about a subject near and dear to our hearts, and that's our family and the effect that this situation had immediately, especially on Adam and his family, the Cox family. Uh, Adam is my sister's son, as as is Lori Vallow. And so when I say our family, um, I've been close to them. My family has been close to their family. So it is our family, but certainly Adam is the closest one. And the rift was between Adam and the surviving members of his family. He's going to tell us more about that. Adam, let's pick off where pick up where we started at the last podcast about you going back to Chandler after Charles had been killed, and you saw Tylee for what turned out to be the last time, and that's what really um, brought things to a head there. I, I I will get to, I will get to that. I do don't want to mention this that Rex and I are going to definitely have some silver linings in this podcast. Um, and the main purpose for this podcast is obviously for some kind of healing and also to help other families don't that don't have to go through the same thing our family went through or anything even like it. So as we go through this and we talk about the things that have happened, we're also going to be talking to you about things to look for, um, maybe think different things that you probably have never tried with your family before or uh, thought about. So maybe this podcast can help if your family has ever had any struggles. So we'll, I promise you we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, and I'll add to that, Adam, that we, we recognize we aren't psychologists. We recognize that we aren't trained family therapists. So we aren't telling you techniques that you should use, but we hope that your common sense, your knowledge of your family will be kicked into gear while we're talking about what happened in ours, and it'll give you some ideas that, that will help. Yes, I totally agree with that. So the last time I saw Tylee, um, so as you know, in the last podcast, I talked about me leaving Tucson with my son, getting a weird phone call from my mom, not knowing what what I'm walking into. Um, very upset that Charles has been dead for three days and nobody has told me. 
So I walk in and I see that Tylee's Jeep is in my mom and dad's front yard. And I was like, oh, Tylee's there. Because uh, when me and Zach had walked in, both of us were thinking, do you see Alex's truck anywhere around here? We were both kind of timid about, is this, are we going to get ambushed? Are, are my mom and dad part of this? Is Summer part of this? Like in our minds, we didn't know who was involved with what. So we go in and um, I walk through the hallway and go to the kitchen area where my mom is standing there talking with Tylee standing up in the kitchen. And my mom is talking with Tylee and Tylee is crying. I don't know what to say to anybody. I just wanted to, to get answers and find out what was going on. So I go in and Zach, me and Zach walk in and we sit down. My mom is talking with Tylee. They're going back and forth, chit-chatting. Tylee's crying. Um, and then uh, I look at Tylee and she looks at me and it looks to me like she wants to talk to me. It looks to me like she wants to say something to me. And so I'm just sitting there waiting for her to talk. Well, my mom ends up walking Tylee out to towards towards the uh, front door because Tylee was going to leave. And then I saw them stop in the middle of the um, the walkway, and they had a conversation. And Tylee was crying, and she was really adamant about something. And my mom was like, "It's going to be okay. Things are going to work out." Or you know, trying to be positive to Tylee. And um, walked Tylee out to the front door, opened the door, and Tylee walked out and left in her Jeep. The last time I saw Tylee alive. Well, the door shuts. My mom comes walking back in and goes, how dare you not say anything to that little girl? She has just been through hell. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on, mom. What is, and I started screaming what is going on? And I, me and my mom got into, and I love my mom more than anything. And her and I have had the best relationship uh, my whole life. And this was the oddest. It's like my mom had an outer body experience. Like I didn't even know who I was talking to at this point. She had lost her mind screaming at me and I was screaming at her. So during this time, I didn't realize that Lori has told my mom and my dad and Summer that me and Charles and Brandon and Zach were out to try to get her. And they all believed Lori's stupid story. So my mom is on defense against me. I'm thinking, since nobody called me, that my mom and dad and Summer... And Alex and Lori, my whole family, were in on Alex and Lori killing Charles. So here we are on both sides of it, yelling at each other, not knowing. And ends up that my dad finally came out of the room. We sat down. He said, let's calm down and try to talk. And we calmed down and try to talk. And it got to the point where I, I didn't trust them. And I don't think that they trusted me. And at that point, they're like, you just need to leave. Me and my son, Zach. My son, Zach, was trying to tell my mom something that Lori told him. Like when they were outside a couple of weeks ago, and my mom was like, Lori would never say that. She just wouldn't say that. And Zach's like, Mimi, 
Lori said that. I'm not lying to you. I was like, Mom, why would Zach lie? We're not lying to you. It got into this heated debate and discussion that me and my mom have never had at this point. So at that point, I knew something was wrong. And me and Zach was like, I was well, let's get our stuff. We walked into the room that we I was staying in. We grabbed our stuff. We, and then we just left. And we got in the car and we went to Summer's house. Did you, when you said you were not knowing what was going on, did you suspect your mom, your dad were part of what had happened with Charles? Well, yes, I did suspect that because Charles died on Thursday. And then my mom found out Charles was dead on Friday night. Lori called my mom and my mom went. My dad stayed home for some reason. Then on Saturday, my mom decided to tell my dad, oh, you need to go. We need to go to Lori's. And then that's when Lori told my dad on Saturday morning. I found out Saturday afternoon. So at this point, I didn't know who was involved. I didn't know what people knew. My mom and dad bought into Lori and Alex's story about you know, Alex protecting Tylee from Charles hitting everybody or with a baseball bat. They bought into that stupid story. So I, I didn't know that. And then once I heard that story, I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. So I'm like, how can I see this and nobody else can see it? I was so frustrated. I still am, obviously. Yeah, you aren't hiding your frustration there, which is very understandable. So you go back to Summer's house and you call Summer. She, they, the family was out of town. What was that conversation about? Well, I mentioned it in the last podcast, the whole thing. So me and Summer talked and I was like, Summer, you know, did you know that Charles was dead? And she's like, no. I was like, you're, I'm telling you right now, this is the first time you're hearing Charles is dead. She goes, yes. I was like, you're not shocked that Charles is dead. Like I told you, that whole scenario to me felt weird. And then Summer started bawling, crying. She goes, I don't want my family to break apart. That was, and that was, that was it. I was like, so you, and I said to Summer, you believe that Alex saved Tylee and Lori and, and with, from Charles was going to kill him or hit him with the baseball bat. You believe that Alex protected them. She goes, a hundred percent. I said, so you don't believe that Lori and Alex murdered Charles. Like you don't, you don't even believe that at all. Not even a little bit. She goes, no. And I thought to myself, I'm, I'm barking up a wrong tree. Like I, it doesn't matter what I, I thought everybody is in on this, but me, or they believe the stupid story. And I was like, I don't understand how they do believe it. But at that point I knew that our family was breaking up when somebody was like, I knew that summer was on a side that I wasn't on when she said, I don't, so at my mind, I thought, well, maybe Summer, my mom and my dad and Alex and Lori are all in this thing and I'm the one that's out. So that's a possibility that they all conspired. Another possibility is they're all just following Lori's lead. We've seen a lot of questions of how did Lori have this power with a family that whatever she said, everyone just jump and lined up. And when I say everyone, of course, I'm talking about Summer, Janice, and Barry, not not you, not other people in the extended family. Uh, can you address that? What and we're speculating here, but how did Summer have that power or ability? You mean Lori? How did Lori have it? All right. How did Lori have that? Um, Lori was, you know, in my mom's mind, 
Glory was going to the temple. She was being great. She was trying to be the best human possible. She got rid of cable TV. So in my mom's mind, Lori couldn't do anything wrong. She was following the spirit. She was all that. So I think my mom trusted Lori with whatever Lori told her. And same with Summer. They both were just trusting. My dad, I think, just goes along with, you know, whatever the girls go along with or... I, 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 I'm sure that he had questions in his head. He's never, we've never talked about everything about that, but I just, I think Lori is just a very convincing person. She convinced the police officers that nothing happened. She convinced a psychological person. She passed a psychological test. She went in for a evaluation and she passed it with flying colors. I don't know how she has that ability to do that, but she's fooled a lot of people. In her past with you, um, or from what you've observed, has she had that ability with you to fool you? Has she had that ability with other people in her past to fool people? Did she pretty much always take control of the situation and get what she wanted? I mean, she did take control of a lot of situations. She liked to be... You know, if we were doing a family thing, she wanted to have it in her house, her way. And we all thought it was a joke. It's like, okay, well, whatever Lori wants, Lori gets. And so we just, you know, whatever she planned, we just went with whatever she said to go. So maybe she had that kind of control of, like, what was happening in the family, and everybody just got used to it. Okay. So your departure with your parents there and with Summer, how did that go down? Um, my mom sent me a text and she apologized to me the next day. And she goes, I'm sorry that I screamed at you like that and used those words. Um, that was not like me. I don't know what came over me, but I apologize for that. And that was the, and then I was like, okay, mom, well, I understand that you were, you know, you're heated about things too. And then we just kind of left it there. Then when I would send my dad an email, like, look, Lori and Alex are evil. They're into something evil. My dad would send me an email back saying, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You lack you lack information. And that was it. At that point, I knew nobody else called me. Nobody else talked to me. Um, it was one of those things where they believed one thing and I believed another. So there was no communication between my family and me. So no communication. Did they say, hey, you aren't? We aren't going to talk to you anymore. How, was there a lot of anger in the split and the divide in the family? It was just, it just went quiet. It went like, I didn't trust to tell them anything and they didn't trust to tell me anything because we were on two different sides without communicating. They knew how I felt and I knew how they felt about the whole situation. So with that being said, that was the main split down the middle where nobody wanted to do any investigation or ask questions or look for themselves or anything like that. It was just, we're just going to take their word for it and go with it. All right. Well, this has been pretty heavy in the last podcast and, and up till now in this, in this podcast. Let's start looking for the silver linings, what you took out of this experience with your family. My Here's what I want to explain to people is like, I know there's so many families out there that have a son, a daughter, 
an, a brother, uh, a sister, a mom, a dad that ha can either have drug and alcohol problems or some kind of abuse problems or all kinds of, you know, things that um, where there's people lying to each other and there's some family members that haven't talked to other family members in years and there's there's all this stuff, but it doesn't need to be like that. I feel like if we just open up and talk and I, I really think an intervention would be a great thing if it's if it's done the right way because I feel like if family members can express themselves in front of the whole group and be sincere about how they feel, then you can get a, a genuine gist of where everybody is and how we can help to make the, our family stay together. Could you have done that in your family, do you think, at that point? I feel like if all of us got in front of, if Lori and Alex and Summer and my mom and dad and me were all in a room at that point, and we could all talk, at least I could understand, so I could see and hear what they think is going on or what they're blaming me, and then that would help, would have held Lori and Alex accountable for some of the lies that they said. They, we could, there's, there could be proof, there could be, I mean, when you can prove things and say things, I feel like there, then there, there's gotta be some way that families can um, stop something like this from happening. Let me make an observation from a person close to the family, but not in your immediate family. When they bought into, okay, Adam, and you heard Lori on a body cam when she was in Rexburg say, my brother Adam is, you know, looking to kill me. And then if that's the story that, that she sold back when uh, Charles was shot, well, Adam and Charles and Zach and Brandon were in the, this conspiracy to come get me and kill me. There is nothing in your past, Adam, I'm saying this for the benefit of people that are listening. Yeah. There's nothing in your past or present where that is conceivable. Now, at the same time, we say, well, that's true. There's nothing in the in Lori's past that we as family members thought she could, you know, one day kill her children until all this started going down. That's the difference. In that situation where Lori had started the delusion and many people had heard about it, everyone everyone that heard that from her knew she was off. And so at that point, when you look at, okay, here's Lori and these delusions, having said things like, I wanted to murder my husband, having said things like, Charles, I can murder you. I have a guardian angel that can can do that. And then you you run up with this conflict in the two family members, Adam and Lori. Lori saying that, Adam saying, "Are you serious? Does that even make any sense at all?" The fact that you look at the current situation, you say, "How how could anyone believe Lori with that with those two different viewpoints?" It just doesn't make any sense at all that she would be in the clear and Adam would be have a murderous heart at that point. There's just no sense to it that anyone outside of the, anyone that wasn't directly involved, we couldn't see any sense to it. 
Yeah, common. And, th- and then again, when you think about families and the, the situations that other families get into, common sense has got to play a a role. Investigating has got to play a role. Actually, finding proof has to play a role if there's going to be a division or you're not going to talk to somebody because of this, this, and this. Let's find out why. Now, is there is there situations where you don't want to be a part of a uh, or your family or your family doesn't want to be a part of you? If, if there's a lo- logistical or, or logical or whatever it is reason for that, then I guess that's okay. But I'm just saying there's there's ways to prevent um, families that that go through that route, but just using common sense and asking just regular questions and, you know, using your conscience. And let me, let me pick up from there and talk about conscience. That That's a subject near and dear to me that I've been concerned with quite a while. It ties into my professional life, which is helping um, people and human performance in the workplace. But Adam and I both believe that this trio's evil was caused simply by them allowing themselves to indulge their appetites, their egos, and their lusts. Yes, outside influences played a part, and you can name any outside influence, but it doesn't change the fact that you still make your decision. Outside influences, whether you think it's Satan or you think it's family upbringing or just bad friends, whatever you think it is, those are outside influence. You still make your own decisions. All three of those people, Lori, Alex, Chad, were making their own decisions. They're accountable for their own decisions. For all of us, we have appetites, we have passions, we have impulses. The only thing thing that holds those in check is our conscience for all of us. That's just part of nature. The, the appetites and passions are part of nature. Our conscience is part of nature. That's internal. Outside influences don't override it. They try to get you to follow them, but your conscience still tells you, look, this is natural law. If you do that, this will be the consequence. We believe those three people chose evil. They chose to stop listening to their conscience when at any point along the way, any of the three of them could have listened to their conscience one time and changed so much of what happened. Now, if all three of them had listened to their conscience at one point, they could have reversed what was going on. The silver lining for that isn't for the victims because they lost in the, in this scenario. They lost their lives. That's tragic. But we can each use that same conscience, stop whatever we feel is not right in our life. And I'm not telling you what's right or wrong, not telling you how to feel. Your conscience is for that. It's not for someone else to do. But we all have the ability to stop anything that's wrong in our lives. And yes, there are tremendous powers to overcome when we do that. Tremendous outside influences. But that power is still within us. That power is 
our conscience, our internal guidance system. So each of us has the ability to create our own silver lining. To us, it's a silver lining when we or anyone else is inspired by this tragedy to say, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm not going to let my family break apart. I'm going to do everything I can, and our internal guidance will help us find those actions that we can take. And each of us can create a silver lining in our lives. That's what Adam and I are committed to doing in face of this tragedy in honor of Tylee and JJ and the other victims, the other victims that are dead, the other victims that are still alive. We want to help people to guide them, one, to any silver linings we can see, we'll share them, but we want you to, we just want to guide you to your own internal guidance so you can find your own silver linings maybe be inspired by this tragedy, by the loss of these people that should be with us today, and say, in their honor, I'm going to change something in my life that will result in something positive. We think that will be a silver lining. And we are preaching to you. We don't have any position to preach in your life. We don't know you. We don't pretend to. But I'm not above begging, and I will beg people to make a difference in their life by doing what these three evil people that caused so much tragedy, what they would not do, and that is listen to their conscience to change something in your life, something big, something small. Do it one time, just as a tribute to the victims. Do it for the rest of your life. Whatever you can do um, will help help this cause. Now, so we talked about, you know, families and we talked about family situations, using your 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 conscience to, you know, make those decisions. You also can do that in your professional life. Um, you could use it with what friends you hang out with. And sometimes we we think about in our minds, like one one thought will be like, oh, my gosh, you know, part of me thinks that I should do this. The other part thinks I should do this. You have two decisions to make. Like you talked about passions and and um, things that maybe are distractions, um, but we have to make the the decisions and we have to live by whatever decisions we 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 make. And the question is, when it comes to your conscience, what do you listen to with your conscience? Like, how do you how do you decide, Rex? Like in your conscience, like, oh, um, I just is it is it is is it an easy decision? Here's the hard part of talking about conscience. We relate everything to our senses. So we talk about listening to our conscience, and there's not a voice there. It happens internally without a voice, and we don't have very good language for it. The best language I've heard about conscience is awareness. We just have to be aware of our conscience. And we can be aware by just looking at our past, by saying, oh, I shouldn't have fill in the blank. I shouldn't have eaten that. I shouldn't have said that to that person. That's how our conscience communicates to us. So if we pay attention to those times when we have the decision to make and we know the right decision and we have our reasoning, our appetites, our passion, our fears, battling against what we know we should do, it makes it easier to see our to 
experience, be aware of our conscience, and make a clear decision on what we're going to do. To bring this full circle, Rex, so I started thinking about the last time I saw Tylee, and I walked into that house, and I saw Tylee sitting there, standing there crying, talking to my mom. And as she walked down the hall, and she stopped, and she was talking to my mom again. And I felt maybe that was my conscience. I felt like she wanted to say something, and I didn't listen to my conscience. Like, I start thinking about if I would have just said, Tylee, you want to say something to me or what actually happened and got her side of the story or I was I was in shock this whole time. So I don't know if my mind was in the right mind of what the right things to do was at that time. But it, like I said, you talk about when you do make a decision, you look back at your past and you're like, gosh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have made that decision. Maybe it wouldn't have made any difference, but I start thinking about, you know, being more aware of when you're actually in a, like a traumatic or drama situation, do we, do we act differently? Should we act differently? Or can, can we make a good conscious decision under pressure? It's harder, I think. Let me join our readers, I guess, say to you, Adam, stop doing that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Didn't think back and say, oh, only if I would have or could have. That's that's usually not healthy. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. Ask your counselor. Yeah, okay. I will. But, but I will say that my wife and I follow the strategy of wait and get out of the emotional situation. Your conscience doesn't get caught up in emotion get out of the emotional situation, then go back to the situation when you're thinking without all of the emotion and give it a try. Whatever it is you were, you were thinking and wondering if your emotion is, is your conscience. Well, we hope you, uh, you guys learned something about um, us. You learned a little bit about the story. You learned a little bit about your conscience and maybe some decisions that you could make with your family. It is our hope and our prayer that you know, we can do some good by doing this podcast for you. This has been Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings Podcast. Your input is helping us make sense of this. We encourage your comments on our Facebook page or email Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings at gmail.com. This has been a production from a podcast studio.